0: Welcome to the Octavius Gould Experience, and I am your host, Octavius Gould. I have 25 years of experience in corporate leadership and entrepreneurship, but more importantly, I am the proud father of two amazing young women. Today's podcast is titled The Real OG. I'll give you a glimpse into who I am, and also will take you on a journey into my failures as well as my success. Lastly, we'll talk about my purpose. So let's dive right in. My mother and father were absolutely amazing. When I was five, they moved my five siblings and I from the hood in Philly to an amazing town in New Jersey called Browns Mills. What made the town so amazing was the fact that it was next to a military base. So I developed the ability to develop relationships with kids from different ethnicities and backgrounds, which later helped me. Create a competitive advantage in corporate America. Because once I got into business, I was able to develop relationships with anyone. It didn't matter their age. It didn't matter their ethnicity, cultural differences. I was prepared to be able to go in and just be myself, be authentic. Growing up, I wanted to be an NFL football player. Through elementary school and high school, I was right on track. In high school, I played running back. I was a high school All-American. Departing my senior year, I was one of the top 100 football players in America, and I earned a scholarship to the University of Florida. As a freshman, I was 18 playing in front of 90,000 people at one of the most prestigious collegiate sports institutions in America. It was absolutely amazing. I was on top of the world but I also fell into the typical traps. As many people know today, athletes can be compensated for their likeness and their brand, but that wasn't the case when I was in college. But I had the bins, access to a boat, money, all of those things that when you're 18, you don't realize come with responsibility. And many times things out of your control but I'll touch on all of that in the book that I'm going to start writing this year. You'll find that very interesting. So back to my freshman year at Florida, everything was going well. By our fifth game my freshman year, I started at running back. Went through my freshman year, had a solid season for a freshman, ended up being one of the first team members of the freshman All-American team. Going into my sophomore year, I was really excited, I think we were playing Miami our first game, and they actually won the national championship that year. I broke my ribs for the second time. The first time I broke my ribs was our last game my freshman year against Florida State. I set out a game, and then our third game, we were playing Alabama. All week long, I was in tremendous pain because I was still suffering from broken ribs, but I knew I had to get out there and play because I had to protect my position. So I didn't start that game against Alabama, a gentleman named Emmett Smith started in my place. And Emmett had 224 yards that game. I think it was by the third quarter. I was on the sideline. I'm thinking to myself, okay, am I transferring to Rutgers, Minnesota, Ohio State, Temple? Am I going out west? (laughs) Because the writing was on the wall. So I go back to campus, and I am in my dorm room. I'm getting calls from the media I'm getting calls from other college coaches, and at that particular time, I think everyone knew that I was probably going to transfer. The next day, I get a call from the secretary of the University of Florida's president's office, and the school president wanted to meet with me at his home, in which I did, and we had a great meeting for about two hours. It was my first time meeting him one-on-one, and out of that meeting came a meeting with the school president, several coaches, I think the recruiting coordinator, and a few people I didn't know in this football office. So I'm at this big boardroom table with all of these gentlemen, and at that time I'm 19, and they're trying to persuade me not to transfer. I don't necessarily know that they wanted me to stay because of athletics or if they were concerned that I may snitch, if you will, to the NCAA. But I was a character dude. The freshmen, the sophomores, the juniors, the seniors who I played with, they were brothers. So there was nothing I was going to do to prevent them from being able to play on bowl games or get put on probation or anything like that. But back to that meeting, it was the first time that I learned that I was built for leadership. And here's what I mean. I'm sitting at this table with all of these prominent individuals, whether they were coaches or the president of the university, For two hours, as they tried to persuade me not to transfer, I listened. I didn't talk. I mainly listened. And at the end of the meeting, as I stated my reasons for wanting to transfer, I made sure that I articulated to these individuals that it wasn't all about the lack of playing time. It was more about the way in which I was being treated and some things that even happened when I was a freshman, that were a matter of principle. And once I communicated that to them, I think they had a better understanding of who I really was, understanding that I just wasn't a football player. I was maybe more mature for an 18, 19-year-old than they had expected. So at the end of that meeting, I thanked them for their time and told them I would be transferring. My position coach leaves the room with me. He gives me a hug. We're crying, and don't tell anyone that. And he tells me, Octavius, I am so proud of the manner in which you handled yourself in that meeting under tremendous pressure. You were poised, you were respectful, and you really spoke well as it related to why you wanted to transfer, which made us realize that it was more important things that we needed to focus on as coaches than just our kids as athletes. So I ended up transferring to University of Minnesota. Ended up starting there. Everything was going well. But like anything else in life, you experience adversity. You go through the ebbs and flows of failure and success. I got hit with the injury bug. My college career ended prematurely. A year before, I was on track to go pro and make millions. And I was faced with the prospect of, what am I going to do now? So I left school. I wasn't depressed. I was dejected. I felt like a failure because I had tried so hard to accomplish my goal of being in NFL. My purpose, at at least what I thought was my purpose at the time. And I had done everything right. Worked hard. Stayed focused. Did all the things my coaches asked me to do. Ended up leaving school and I became a statistic. And here's what I mean by that. You're a statistic when you go from being a college athlete on scholarship to leaving the university without your degree. And there are so many athletes in that position, not even aware that there are even programs out there to help athletes return to school to earn their degrees within a certain time period, that wasn't the case when I played. So I go back home, and a year later, my mother passed away unexpectedly. So I'm 22, unable to fulfill my childhood dream of playing in the NFL, and the most important person in my life passed away unexpectedly. You know, seeing the pain that my siblings were going through, my was experiencing I grieved a different way you know I was able to process and cope a little differently going through everything that I was experiencing as it related to the end of my college career and losing my mother but like many people I should have had the courage to seek help even today I speak to so many men who lack the courage to seek help from professionals to deal with mental instability, depression, or just simple issues. And as men, we have to be willing to be vulnerable. So throughout my podcast, even today, as I'm just giving you a glimpse into who I am, I will relate some things that I experienced early in my life to my business life. And I'm hoping that people will take away valuable lessons that will allow you to make sound decisions and make choices that will put you in a better position than I was putting myself in at particular times early in my professional career. At 22, I'm dealing with the death of my mother. I'm dealing with not being able to play football. I'm watching all of my former teammates excel, many of whom played in the NFL. And I tell you, it was very difficult. And this is something that many people don't even know. I don't even think my siblings know this. There were times when I would have dreams. And these dreams, I would be playing in an NFL. And it felt so real. Then I would wake up and realize, after about a minute or two, because it was so real, that it took me a while to process things. And I realized that, that wasn't the case. It was just a dream. That was difficult. And then I would have dreams that I was with my mother and it seemed so real and I would wake up and realize after processing it that it was just a dream. And all of those experiences made me who I am today. And that's why you'll hear me talk about I am built different. Some people may wonder, how is it that he's always smiling? How is it that he's always positive? He's always motivated or he's inspiring. It's because I dealt with so much at a young age that I realized my past failure and adversity could be the foundation to my success. And I use those things to drive me, to propel me into wanting to be better, wanting to do better. So a year after my mother passed away, I decided to move to Atlanta. I got a Greyhound bus ticket. I had 20 bucks in my pocket. One of my former teammates at the University of Florida was living in Atlanta, told me it's the land of opportunity. There's so many opportunities, OG, come to Atlanta. And at that time, there was one team in France wanting me to give football another shot. They were going to give me a contract that paid me, not a lot, the hope of playing again and showing the NFL that I was healthy and I could play in the NFL, I decided to bypass that and move on with my life. And I got on that Greyhound bus. 18 hours later, I arrive in Atlanta. My buddy is like, it is so great to have you here. Let's do something. What do you want to do? I said, I need to go to your home, take a shower and go get a job. (laughs) And I did just that. I went to Bally's Fitness, I figured a former football player, I could get a job in a fitness center. (laughs) So I got dressed, went to Bally's. I'm interviewing with the hiring authority. And he said, when did you move to Atlanta? I said an hour ago. Talked to him about the bus ride on Greyhound. We laughed about that. He said, why should I hire you? I said, because I'm going to be the best salesperson at this facility and potentially in your entire company. He said, how do you know that? I said, because my life depends on it. He said, when can you start? I said, tomorrow. He hired me. I spoke to every member that walked in the door. And I kept seeing this gentleman walk in with suits every day. And after about five months, I said, what is it that you do? And he told me he worked for AT&T in outside sales. I asked him if I could potentially get a job at AT&T. He told me they weren't really hiring, but their competitor, MCI Telecommunications, Was hiring aggressively in atlanta i found the interview information at mci i go in an interview and i'm thinking i'm going to be in outside sales this is my opportunity they hired me on the spot but they told me you're going to have to start at the bottom of the totem pole no outside sales we'll put you in telemarketing so yes i was wearing a headset i wasn't calling people at dinner i was actually B2B, we were calling businesses all over the U.S. It was an 800-person call center, very professional. But again, it was the bottom of the totem pole. So I go into MCI, and I'm asking, how do I get into outside sales? And they told me, you have to stay in this role for six months before you can post for any any other jobs, any promotions. You have to stay in this role for six months. But you're competing against about 800 other people. I didn't care because I was laser-focused. I showed up first every day. When I got to the building, no one was there. There wasn't a single car in the parking lot. The VP of the call center would come in, see me waiting for him at the door to open up the building, and we walked in together every single day. Now, he didn't know I didn't have a car. I was catching the bus. (laughs) I had a choice of getting there 15 minutes before the shift started or getting there an hour and a half before the shift started because of the bus schedule. I opted to get there an hour and a half because I was committed. All of those things that I learned in football about discipline and commitment were attributes that I carried with me into business. So I was doing this job well, and it was a very professional call center. Shirt tie, slacks. And about five months in, I saw this gentleman wearing... Suits every day, so he was taking it a step above everyone else. And I asked, "Why is it that you're wearing suits?" And he said, "If you want to outshine everyone else, you need to dress for success. You need to do what you got to do on the phones and hit your numbers, but you also need to dress for success. Be the part." So he told me about K and think I went to K and G and I purchased all these suits, 150, 200 bucks. They look good. The quality wasn't great, but they looked good. (laughs) And I started wearing suits every day. Two weeks later, I get a tap on my shoulder. There's a gentleman asking me if he could speak to me. This was a regional VP in Florida for outside sales. And he said, Octavius, I came in here and I spoke to five different people. And I said, out of the 800 people in here, Who's the one person that I need to hire? Every person said Octavius Gould. And it was a a great feeling because, again, I put forth tremendous effort. I didn't have a college degree. I took advantage of every opportunity to learn. Every training program, every course, I made sure that I was there up front, developing my skill set, developing my core competencies, to compensate for not having a college degree because many of the people in that 800-person call center had college degrees, had more experience than myself. So he gave me the position. They promoted me and relocated me to Florida. And I'm thinking, wow, here's a great opportunity. Not only will I be an outside sales professional, I'll also have an opportunity to sell Florida Gator alumni. I think I can leverage that relationship a little bit. I go to Florida, actually Orlando to be exact. I'm meeting with the executives there, and they're giving me my territory, and they're telling me that I can only work on these low-level accounts because they had major accounts and national account managers who focused on the big boys, all those big organizations, the Fortune 1000. And I said, okay. But as I started my role, I always tried to go above and beyond the call of duty. I was the first one in, the last one to leave. And I was at every networking event, every chamber of commerce event. So I started developing relationships with prominent business professionals within the bus- I'm sorry, the Orlando business community. And I had an opportunity to engage the president of McCoy Federal Credit Union, who happened to be a former University of Florida football player. And this gentleman met me. We had an opportunity to talk. And he said, Let's have lunch, and which we did. I go back to the MCI office, and I told my VP about this opportunity. And he quickly said, you can work this one. This is the only large opportunity you can work right now, only because he's a gator, and we need this deal, and you should be able to smash it. And I'm thinking, yeah, I got this. So I go to the meeting. I'm in a suit now because I'm an outside sales professional. The suits are a little bit more expensive than they were when I was an in inside sales. So I'm dressed for success. I'm prepared. I did my research. I'm well-versed in what we do, the value proposition we can offer. And I'm go- I am going through the sales process using our methodology, ascertaining their challenges. But I'm sitting there thinking I'm walking out with this contract. He's a Gator, I'm a Gator, because they always say, once a Gator, always a Gator. And I learned a valuable lesson that day, because he told me, thank you for your time. We'll get back to you. I'm like, what? We're Gators. Now, I didn't say that to him, but I'm thinking this myself. I know you're the president of the Federal Credit Union here, but we're Gators. We vibe. We connected. I think we established trust. I realized he wasn't ready to do business with me. So I go back to my office, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. Because the one thing that I've learned in business, even early on, was that you have to dot all the I's, cross all the T's, don't or underpromise and overdeliver, and do what you say. So I went back to office, did all the proposals, sent all the information, go for meeting two, had a great meeting. Even my VP said, you nailed it. Nothing. Thank you for your time. We'll let you know if we have additional questions. Go back to the office. And in a car, my VP and I were trying to figure out what's going on here. You are actually presenting exceptionally and doing even more than what the president of this federal credit union has been asking for. The third meeting, I go in alone. And I went in without any material just to really answer any questions that he had and to try just to move the opportunity forward through my pipeline and as soon as i sat down he hands me the contract and the president of the federal credit union says to me i just want to commend you young man on the exceptional job you did i would have signed 10 minutes 15 minutes into our first meeting because you were so sharp but I wanted to make sure you understood one thing. You have to earn the right to do business. And just because we're both Gators, I wanted to make sure that you understood the importance of developing business relationships because I like you. What a valuable lesson. And this was 1994 when the president of this bank gave me one of the most valuable business lessons that I ever learned, a lesson that is a part of how I operate today. Earning the right to do business. Never forget that. You have to earn the right to do business. It doesn't matter your price. It doesn't matter your value proposition. It doesn't matter the problems that you're solving for the customer. They have to trust you, hopefully like you, and you have to earn the right to close the business. 10 months into that position, I was given my second promotion. This time into management, relocated back to Atlanta, got into management. Again, I'm taking advantage of every opportunity to learn, interviewing skills, handling confrontation, coaching skills. Any course that MCI provided, I took advantage of because, again, I didn't have a degree. So I had to figure out ways to differentiate myself to make sure that I continued to position myself well for promotions. And it worked. In five years, I received five promotions. I went from starting as an inside sales rep to being a regional sales manager, managing 60 sales professionals and five sales managers across five states. And I left MCI because they were acquired by a company called WorldCom. And WorldCom's CEO and C-level executive team were all eventually sent to prison for cooking their financial books. That's a, an entirely different podcast when I talk about business ethics. So continue to tune in, like this podcast, subscribe, because I will hopefully drop some gems that will allow you to not only develop your skill set, but enhance your business acumen and take valuable lessons, lessons of things that I did well, but also take things that I did wrong so you don't make the same mistakes. So after that experience with MCI and the company being acquired, I decided that I wanted to tap into my entrepreneurial spirit. So I started an executive recruiting firm. And it was profitable from month one. The reason it was profitable, because one of the things that I did in business when I was at MCI, I didn't just develop relationships internally. I made it a point to develop relationships externally as well. I went to every chamber event. If there was a networking opportunity, I was there. I didn't care if it was 5 o'clock in the evening over lunch, 7 o'clock in the morning. If it was an opportunity for me to engage other business professionals within the business community, I was there. If it was an opportunity for me to gain a competitive advantage, I was there. So when I started my business, I was able to immediately leverage the relationships that I had, not only develop, but more importantly, maintained over my career at MCI. So I was signing agreements, not only with MCI, my former employer, I was signing recruiting contracts with our top competitors, Quest, Sprint, at and We were profitable. We're rolling. I'm young. So as the money's coming in, I'm spending as the money's coming in, I'm spending it. <laughs> The faster it came in, the faster I would spend it. Then another business lesson lesson hit me in the face, 9-11. I wasn't prepared. I don't think many people were prepared for 9-11, but I went from being on top of the world, just like in my sports career, to being rock bottom, lost it all. I told you I'm built different. So instead of crying over spilled milk, instead of pouting and being negative and And giving up, I understood that if you fall, you fall forward. If you get knocked down, you get back up. So not only did I rebound, I got everything back that I lost and more. And that's when I really started to look at life differently and really got focused on developing others, wanting to be a coach of people, wanting to motivate and inspire others there was an opportunity for me to communicate all of the mistakes that I had made in my life and hope that it would help someone else and avoid those mistakes and achieve success even quicker. But more importantly, utilize my lessons, whether good or bad to sustain their success. So I pivoted from just focusing solely on executive recruiting to, leadership development, and executive coaching. So we're recruiting and coaching professionals as well. And that's when I found my passion. That's when I found my purpose, being able to sit down with someone and talk about all the things that I did wrong and be authentic and genuine and give them all those gems so that they wouldn't make the same mistakes, but at the same time, utilize all the knowledge that I had acquired by going to all of those coaching seminars and business workshops to develop their core competencies and help these individuals become better leaders and better coaches of people and better business professionals. So my career went uh, extremely well as an entrepreneur but there was something missing and I'll fast forward to 2012. I was helping my daughter with her homework And I have two daughters, one who is a freshman in college right now. She's much smarter than me, but I'm still nervous having a a daughter in college. And then I have an 11-year-old daughter as well. But I'm helping, I was helping my oldest daughter at the time with her homework. And I looked in the mirror and I said, you hypocrite. Because I was trying to instill all of these values in her related to the importance of education when I didn't even finish my college degree. And on top of that, it would have been free. So think about that for a second. Like many collegiate athletes, I left school on my own will because I was feeling sorry for myself because my NFL career did not come to fruition because injuries prematurely ended my sports life and I didn't finish. So I was talking to myself, you know, we all talk to ourselves sometimes and I'm sitting there saying to myself, how can you instill these values in your kids if you didn't even fulfill the promise that you made to your mother to finish college? So a week later, I called the University of Minnesota and I said, I would like to figure out how I can return to college to secure my business management degree. So they had me send my resume, some other information, and they said they would get back to me. Two days later, I get a call from one of their administrators, and they told me, they said, Octavius, I know in your email you said that you thought you had a year to go to secure your business management degree. Unfortunately, because we're now on semester systems and you were on quarter systems, it would take you two years. But now if you also add the fact that you were on, and she didn't say this, but this is what I term it, the football program where I wasn't even tracking towards getting a business degree. I don't even know what degree I was on track to get because at that time I was a C student. I recall a coach at the University of Minnesota telling me when I was being late to his meetings because I had classes, he said to me, son, you're a great football player. Are you here to play football, or are you here to be a student? And at that time, being 20, a year away from the NFL, you know how I answered that question. Coach, I'm here to play football. And that continued to bite me. And not because people were looking down upon me because I wasn't a college graduate, because I achieved success even without a degree but it was something that I was feeling within myself, a lack of pride, because most people assumed I had my college degree, so they would say to me at networking events, so where did you graduate? And I had to answer that question with, I didn't. Back to this conversation with the administrator at the University of Minnesota, she said, Octavia, it's probably going to take you three years, but I have two questions for you. One, you're a successful entrepreneur, so why would you even go back to college? And then two, Why go for your business degree when you can get a different degree in general studies or whatever in less time? What she didn't know was that when I set my mind to something, I was committed. And I had a commitment to excellence. So for me, it was very important for me to go back to secure my business management degree. And that was it. Not in three years, in two. Because that's what I set out to do. Once she understood that, the ball started rolling and I got enrolled. I think it was four or five months later, I was enrolled at the University of Minnesota working towards a business management degree, formerly as a C student two decades ago. At this time, I was 43. I was an entrepreneur starting my business day at 6 a.m. I think I ended my business day at about 5 p.m., 6 p.m., and then I studied or did college work until about three in the morning every day, for two years, every semester, even summer, because I was so committed to finishing in two years and getting that business management degree. I wasn't going to allow anything to derail me from that goal, that objective, because I was doing it because I promised my mother to set an example for my daughters that you can finish what you start, and it's never too late. And then thirdly, I was doing it for myself because it tied into my purpose. So at 43, two years after I had started back at the University of Minnesota as a C student decades ago, I earned my business management degree with A's and B's. I thought to myself, wow, I could have done this when I was 21. I could have done this when I was 22, 19. What was the difference? I was always a hard worker. I always put forth a lot of effort, but it was redirected to football, to sports. But it was more about something that you'll hear me talk about in future podcasts. When I went back to school as an adult, I had focus. And the lack of focus is what prevents a lot of business professionals from being able to execute, being able to plan strategically, and being able to stay the course. Because we allow interference to get in the way. So when I went back to school as an adult and I was laser focused, I eliminated the interference. And therefore, even though I was operating my business for 11, 12 hours and then going to school and only getting three hours of sleep per night, per night for about two years, I was so focused, so determined, so committed that there was an anything that was going to prevent me from accomplishing that goal. So I earned that degree. And the day that business management diploma came to me, I closed my office door, opened up the package. Opening this package, I'm thinking about my mother, thinking about my father. I'm thinking about my family. The example that I was hopefully setting for my two daughters cried like a baby. And I think it was because... There was a void that went back to that promise that I made to my mother. When she passed away, she passed away again. I was a statistic. Her son didn't fulfill a promise that he had made to her. Well, in that moment, I had finally fulfilled that promise that I had made to her. In a future podcast, I will talk about college and degrees because I see a lot of information and content out there on social media. Some people saying you don't need a degree to be successful. Others saying it's a requirement. I was successful with a degree. I was successful without a college degree. I failed with a college degree, and I failed without a college degree. So I think I'm a subject matter expert. (laughs) And I will have a podcast with guests, and we'll talk about the importance of having a college degree in how you can be successful without like this podcast? Subscribe so you can be alerted to episodes, and you will not miss anything. You don't want to miss anything because it's going to get better and better and better, especially when we bring in guests and we do an interview style podcast or Q and A where you can really engage myself and the guests. So let's flip to twenty twenty. You know, COVID was was tough on us all. It was tough on us professionally and personally because so many people around us were dying. So many people were losing hope. So many people felt as if their life was hanging by a thread. You know, I remember myself sitting there in a Starbucks. I want to say it was probably April of 2020, and I'm preparing for a workshop that I was going to facilitate for a new client just signed a contract a week prior, and I'm working on the outline, my methodology, and the agenda. And the person who worked in the Starbucks came out and told everyone, you all have to leave in five minutes. We knew that there was something going on with with COVID. And a gentleman at the table next to me said, well, ma'am, I'm really working on something important. Is it possible that I can get another 15, 20 minutes? She said, no we are closing every Starbucks in the United States within five minutes. That's when I knew COVID was serious and I packed up and I left. And over the next several months, I made a decision that I was going to use this downtime to focus on me, to focus on self-development. So I understood that I wasn't going to do the Netflix and chill I focused on self-development. I focused on understanding my weaknesses and turning those weaknesses into strengths. I tried to really peel back the onion and evaluate evaluate everything that went into who I was as a person and as a business professional. And I dissected everything. And I continued to read content on social media, read books anything that was going to make me better, anything that was going to differentiate me as a business professional from my competition. But more importantly, I was focused on doing the things that I needed to do to satisfy my thirst for excellence because I have a commitment to excellence. I want to be the best. Some people talk about live your best life, live your best life. No, I want to be the best. And if I'm the best that I can possibly be, then I'll live my best life but you just can't jump to living your best life without developing yourself. And that's what I did. If you look at my social media during any period of 2020, you will not see a negative tweet. You will not see a negative post. Every single piece of content that I put out there, whether it be a quote or some type of post, was of a positive mindset because it was bigger than me. I needed to make sure that I maintained that PMA, what I call PMA, positive mental attitude. It was going to drive me when I didn't know when the next buck was coming in. It was going to drive me when I had to dip into my savings to pay my bills. It was going to drive me to help other people who didn't have the strength or the courage to move forward. And even when I got a little down, I couldn't show it. The smile wasn't fake because that's just who I am. I'm going to smile every day because. I don't have bad days. I may have a bad hour, but I don't have bad days because God woke me up. God gave me an opportunity to live, to breathe. It was all about just being positive and putting out those positive vibes that would help someone. And if I was able to help someone else, then I was helping myself because that fed into that passion I have for developing others. That fed into that Thrill that I get to see others win. So I went through 2020 grinding, hustling. I I did the same thing in 2020 that I did when I went back to get my college degree. I prioritized what was most important. I would grind every day. I stayed focused, I stayed positive, I stayed motivated, and I stayed inspired. And the end result was I am now in the best position of my life professionally and personally. Because of all the things that I did in 2020, when things around me looked hopeless. There's a quote, and I don't know it to be exact, but adversity is brilliantly disguised as opportunities, I think it is. And I know I'm butchering that quote, but that's okay. You get my point. And I knew even in 9-11, when I had went broke, there were people who were successful. So what was the difference? Was it the lack of business acumen, the lack of professional maturity because I was spending money as it was coming in? In 2008, during the downturn of the economy, there were organizations like Uber that were founded. And I read about these organizations in 2008, 2009, 2010, when other people were crying about the economy and not being focused and giving up. You had all these companies that are prestigious organizations today that were founded during that recession of 2008, 2009. And because I was reading so many books and I knew in 2020 that some people were going to walk away better, put themselves in a better position. Some people were going to create their own success. Some people were going to work on themselves and get better and separate themselves from the pack and that's what I try to focus on and that's why I try to stay motivated and inspired every day but more importantly that's why I try to inspire other people. Maintain a positive mindset when things aren't going well. Seek help when things aren't going well. Pick up a book, pick up a blog. There's so much free content out there on the internet that will help you deal with any situation. And I'm not talking about situations such as mental illness, depression. That's when you need to go see a professional, but more importantly, have the courage to seek help. I am talking about content and material out there that's going to help inspire and motivate you. Content and material that's out there on the Internet for free that's going to help develop your core competencies. Articles and books out there that's going to enhance your business acumen. There's so much information out there ready for you to seek it, read it, absorb it, comprehend it, and then act on it. And in some of the podcasts that we're going to have in the future, will touch on these things. We will give you an opportunity in one place, one spot, to learn everything that you need to learn about leadership, entrepreneurship, and business. If you want to develop your business acumen, this is the podcast for you. If you want to enhance your core competency and understand how to be a better leader of people, tune in every Tuesday. So I'm going to leave you with my three D's for success. It's develop a business strategy, develop your core competencies, and develop mutually rewarding relationships. Again, develop a business strategy, develop your core competencies, and develop mutually rewarding business relationships. But let me take it a little further. When you develop relationships, understand it's not just about developing a relationship. It's about doing the things necessary to maintain that relationship and understanding that it's not about what they can do for you. It's what you do for them. Sometimes you need to make a deposit first before you can get a deposit in your own account. People are going to do business with you For a few different reasons, because they like you or because they trust you or because you have something that they need that's going to solve a problem. And imagine if you can do all three, you can be likable by being more authentic. You can develop trust by being authentic. You can solve problems by understanding your strengths and your weaknesses, and always working on getting better and doing the little things necessary to differentiate yourself from your competition and being prepared. Please hit like and subscribe to my podcast because I want to make sure that you don't miss out on notifications for new episodes. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Carpe diem.